0: Chapter 17 of For Fifteen Years by Louis Albach. Translated by Elizabeth Warmley Latimer. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 17 Accounts Are Settled. Alone, in presence of each other, Emilienne and Gabrielle, who had led for fifteen years a life in common, seemed embarrassed by their tete-a-tete both at the same moment remembered the visit that jean mortier's wife had made to the wife of monsieur de monterey to get some information from her the day after the arrest of the innocent upholsterer the fifteen years since of mutual strategy seemed now like a long dream they had gone back as it were to the day after the murder only this time it was emilienne who had the upper hand it was she who could now say the hammer is the proof your husband was the murderer alas what use could she now make of her advantage gabrielle was standing if she sat down she was afraid it might seem as if she were feeling her own weakness but yet in receiving emilienne she did not like to appear to expect that their interview would be a brief one she waved her hand vaguely therefore toward a chair madame mortier observed the gesture she walked up to a chair and leaned upon it remaining standing gabrielle leaned against a cabinet they were different in features and expression as they stood there but alike lovely and alike in sorrow they were rivals in grief and in their dignity as widows it would have been hard to say at first sight which of the two had been a widow for two days and which for fifteen years which was in her own house and which had come to visit her emilienne displayed neither enmity nor compassion she had dried her tears on leaving the church door secure as to her right and sure of her own power she made use of both without desiring to add or to diminish aught from the part she had to play excuse me madame she said with a manner that implied that she needed no excuse but i thought we had better finish settling to-day the accounts between us Gabrielle tried to hide a slight shudder that passed over her face. "'I am at your service, madame,' she replied simply. Emilienne continued, "'I did not expect so suddenly to leave you, "'but, fortunately, ever since you put me in a position of confidence, "'I have endeavored to be always prepared to give up my place to some other person. "'My books are all in order, and—' "'Gabrielle could not repress her astonishment.' was that what you came for she cried of course madame de monterey looked fixedly at emilienne to disconcert her if she were simply ironical she was willing to receive her blows but not her scratches the dark eyes of the other widow were inscrutable there is no hurry said gabrielle pardon me madame there is hurry on the contrary i do not wish to remain any longer in this neighborhood nor to re-enter this chateau madame de monterey bowed her head but she did not seem to flinch then she looked up she was a brave woman she thought of roger she felt herself strong for his sake and since madame mortier seemed in no haste to attack her threaten her or strike her she thought it better to bring on the attack the threat and the blow i hope you understand madame she said with a gentleness which in itself was bravery that i am at your service for that as i have been for the rest she emphasized the important words madame jean mortier was obliged to take some notice of this speech she dropped the lids over her dark eyes the rest she said hoarsely is not so pressing now it would be but just however resumed gabrielle not to say generous not to keep us waiting for your decision emilienne's fierceness rekindled at these words and why she said should i be generous i said you should be just you cannot be as bitter against my son as against me i ask you to put an end to this suspense for the sake of my son and suppose i have not yet made up my mind answered the widow with energy to anything more than that i will separate myself as entirely from this house as i always ought to have done what i owe to jean's memory shall be done but i will do it as he would have done it himself if he had come back to me this day from the galleys to which he was sent by your husband he will judge of my justice from where he sits in heaven i wish for no reparation which depends on money neither must it be one of mere revenge there must be some way upon earth to obtain what i mean i will seek it out i will take advice but first of all i wish to be quit of this hospitality that you forced upon me which i have accepted for fifteen years and which hampers me i know that i have paid for it but it was much more advantageous to florence than our life of poverty in our poor home would have been while taking precautions to secure yourself you have helped me as to my child i remember all that though i will not sacrifice to it more than i ought you see the pros and cons of this account are harder to adjust than the books of your slate quarry you owe me nothing said gabrielle with respect to florence I always have loved her. I love her as a daughter still. Yes, your love for her was a snare in which you thought to entrap me. You are caught in your own trap. Well, it was my trap too. We may as well both own it. We have been both guilty on that point, and I more than you. But Florence loves her father's memory, and she will get over it. I will console her. Alas, said the other mother, I shall not be able to console Roger. Emilienne gave a little start of impatience, either to hinder Gabrielle from saying more upon that point, or to put aside any temptation to be merciful. Gabrielle went on, lowering her voice almost to a whisper. I am so afraid of his despair. If he should kill himself! Oh! Oh! in your family men do not kill themselves replied madame jean mortier with cruel irony gabrielle looked at her gently do you hope to put roger to the proof she said what use would the death of one who is innocent be to me said madame mortier do you suppose i hate roger if you ever have loved him you might love him still if I did love him I should suffer to see him suffer but I should go no further I cannot mitigate his trial our sorrows fall hard upon our children but it was you who brought it about I hope the contrary since you were out of paris out of france when you became afraid suspicion might fall upon your husband why did you come back after you heard I was a widow oh yes i know that you are charitable and that you thought you could appease your conscience by benevolence and besides it was a wise precaution and yet nobody but me ever dreamed of monsieur de monterey i always suspected him in secret but nothing more i knew that you suspected him if you knew it you ought to have let me struggle on in my poverty without bringing me here yet here in the end the truth has come out when you least expected it i have always expected it at any time did you know that your son could produce the proof i did not know that roger had kept the handle of a cane that his father had flung into the fire but i have another proof myself which i have always kept in reserve not to prevent your knowing the truth when the time came to bring it to light but to enable you to prove your husband's innocence more easily another proof cried emilienne with an incredulous smile a proof entirely conclusive said madame de monterey calmly what is it some banknotes stolen from pierre mortier one of which has one of the numbers written down by the notary you have one of those notes you say yes and you never burned it no and you own to me i will give it to you emilienne made a gesture of amazement she looked distrustfully at gabrielle could she be mad or was she crushing her to the earth by her own greatness of soul will you really give me this proof she said again presently certainly i will then i cannot understand on your part these fifteen years of dissimulation madame mortier stopped as if she expected gabrielle to make some explanation but gabrielle who had now resumed her natural position of superiority and who wished to keep it throughout the remainder of the interview judged it unwise and useless to the only strong interest left her upon earth the honour of roger to give any further explanation she replied calmly you have now madame everything necessary to restore the good name of your husband it is your duty to do so a duty that i envy you we are going to leave this chateau and to sell it it would be as painful to us to inhabit it as it is odious to you i shall quit it however with regret it has been the scene of many sufferings but you will always know where to find us we shall not attempt to evade a responsibility I have always foreseen. You will never hear of us again unless it be to respond to your questions by our depositions. Roger knows that he has forever said farewell to Florence. His despair must look to me for its cure. I shall always feel deep remorse on this subject, but you will never hear of it. And now, madame since you seem to think it necessary i should look over your accounts i am ready gabrielle could not smile on such a day but the light in her eyes had all the sweetness and the piety of the smile of a christian martyr emilienne looking down felt her dark eyes unable to meet those of the other widow and in a tone like that submissive one in which for fifteen years she had responded to all orders from madame de monterey she asked permission to go and get her ledgers and accounts and left the room during her absence gabrielle did not stir she dreaded lest she might impair her courage by any change of attitude she stood looking fixedly at the door which communicated with the vestibule of the white parlor she was breathing a blessing from afar by magnetic projection as it were from her own heart on the sun for whose happiness Though all seemed lost, she struggled still. Emilienne returned with a great book under her arm. Gabrielle, as if it were but right to resume the old habits of the house, took her upstairs to her own little sitting room on the first story, where she had always been in the habit of settling their accounts and talking over the affairs of the chateau. She took her usual place. Emilienne placed herself at the corner of the little writing table, and the accounts were gone over by them both while not even a tone of voice in the words that they exchanged together betokened that any other matters were pressing on their minds in this settlement of accounts there was one indispensable part that was especially delicate gabrielle had to give madame emilienne her salary and her share of the profits of the quarry according to an agreement between them jean mortier's widow did not however humiliate madame de monterey by declining this money she thought it quite proper that an agreement should be carried out she was not ashamed of making money she was neither proud of it nor indifferent to it the last column was added up the last signature was made gabrielle rose and laid down her pen madame emilienne let some paper she was holding in her hand vouchers for the settlement of the accounts drop on the table the hands of the two women almost met for one second then each drew back her own all was finished but it almost seemed as if neither could bear to end the interview at last Emilienne rose slowly and went silently toward the door then she turned round quickly for she heard a slight noise made by gabrielle in opening the little cabinet where she kept her private papers a flash darted from emilienne's eyes and she glanced eagerly into the recesses of this mysterious cabinet which she had looked at so often and with such ardent curiosity gabrielle saw the look she went on searching till she had found a sealed envelope which she held out to emilienne take it madame she said unflinchingly it is a letter which would have been sent to you after i was dead had i died first it will give you permission to receive from my notary another envelope in which are banknotes stolen from pierre mortier which will make manifest the innocence of your husband and the guilt of mine emilienne hesitated to take the envelope take it i beg of you said gabrielle emilienne obeyed her madame de monterey then took from the same shelf three manuscript books which she also offered to the upholsterer's widow "'I ask but one kindness from you, madame,' she said gently. "'It is to take these books with you, and to read them.' "'No,' replied Emilienne, drawing back. "'Do not refuse me. Do not be so unkind. "'The unkindness consists, it seems to me, "'in thinking me capable of wishing to pry into your secret thoughts. "'If you have now, or have ever had that curiosity,' I should consider it perfectly allowable, and the most scrupulous conscience need not be ashamed of it. On certain subjects we have never talked together. We have never exchanged confidences. A few minutes ago you said something which showed me that you do not understand my conduct for the past fifteen years. These books may help you to understand it. Do not be afraid. They contain neither my defense nor my excuses. I should not fear the effect on me of any defense or any excuses, replied Emilienne in a tone of bitterness, defiance, and condescension. Gabrielle went on gently. Every day I have written in these books all I have done, and I have given the reasons for my doing it. You will find here how cowardly I have often been. It is my confession. God does not need it, for he knows it all, but I thought it useful to myself it has helped me to bear the burden of my life it witnesses without reserve against me and against him whose widow's weeds i wear you owe it to your husband's memory and to him who is the judge of all to read these manuscripts that done our accounts will be settled there will be nothing more to be added to them all will be cleared up at last your task will be much simplified i think you will be able to see then better than you see now how to do justice to the memory of a man who was innocent without taking from the heirs of him who was guilty the credit of making a voluntary expiation that expiation roger is now about to commence i began it fifteen years ago emilienne trembled a flush rose to her face i do not need to be told she said that you have suffered Then she added, to soften the seeming harshness of this reply, I can at least give you my esteem. Then you will read what I have written without prejudice? That is all I ask. What is the use? Nothing can ever alter our relative positions. Nothing, of course. But when we have each done our duty to the utmost, our whole duty, we shall have more courage to console our children Your daughter will be strengthened by the knowledge that you are not unjust, my son by the testimony of my conscience, that I was never in heart the accomplice of the crime of which I was in part the cause. My duty is ended. I have but to wait patiently for the fulfillment of yours. Madame Mortier, under the influence of Gabrielle's simple dignity, felt that she was losing ground, her wrongs did not seem to give her an absolute advantage in this solemn interview over Madame de Montre's dignity, education, and skill in the use of language. Each roughness or rudeness on her part seemed to her to compromise her cause. She was embarrassed in accepting what she had so long hoped for. Well then, Madame, she said, taking the written books, I promise you to read them. The two women left the little parlor together and went downstairs in silence, step by step and side by side. "'Do you wish to speak to Roger?' asked Madame de Monterey. "'No, but there must be some newspapers and papers in that room, which my daughter took from me in order that your son might read them. I shall want them. You have a right to them.' Gabrielle was about to open the door of the white parlor. Emilienne feared she had been rough and cruel. She stopped her by a movement of her hand and said, It will do if you forward them to me with my things, which I will send for to-morrow. No, replied Gabrielle decidedly, it is better that no one here should have a chance to look at them, if it has not been done already. She opened the door. Roger, who was sitting at a table with his face on his arms, raised his head my boy said madame de monterey what did you do with the papers florence lent you roger grew paler than before i don't know he stammered gabrielle glanced round the room on a table in one corner of the parlor a servant in setting things to write had put in one pile all the papers she had picked up on the floor where roger two days before had scattered them are not those the papers asked madame de monterey touching them as they say king charles the touched the axe of his executioner those are the papers replied emilienne gabrielle walked away leaving the upholsterer's widow to gather together the documents relating to the trial when she had them all under her arm emilienne bowed her head and went out by one of the glass doors into the garden mother and son looked at each other roger's eyes asked anxiously what had passed but he did not say a word oh my son promise me his mother cried that whatever happens you will live and bear the life before you why do you require that promise replied roger because i must live and bear life too my boy replied his mother these words burst forth from her dictated in part by faith and partly by despair end of chapter 17